Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Are you a man or woman who has the character of Joseph? Do you, like Joseph, consider what you're going to say or do before you do it? Regrettably, most of us simply react in defensive, immature, and ultimately sinful ways when things don't go our way. Let's open our Bible now to Matthew chapter 1 and look at the incredible character of this man of God, Jesus' stepdad, Joseph. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Monday morning here in Texas. Hopefully y'all are just loving on Jesus, experiencing the love of Jesus, and diligently pursuing relationship with Jesus. I was leaving a voicemail last night to a, to a sister of mine in Christ and uh, just, just talking about the necessity to really diligently pursue relationship with Jesus. I mean, and it takes, you know, it takes effort. You know, we, we come into relationship with Jesus, not by any effort or work of our own. You enter relationship with Jesus Christ by simply and humbly asking him to be the Lord of your life, asking him to come and live in your heart asking him and trusting him to be your Lord and savior for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul. Uh, you come into relationship with Jesus by believing the scriptures, the Bible, the living word of God that says Jesus Christ is indeed the son of God. He is God, the son that your God, Jesus, entered the world on your behalf, lived a perfect life on your behalf that you should have lived, died a perfect death, a torturous death on the cross that you should have died, and has been raised from the dead and is alive and risen today. You come into relationship with Jesus Christ by genuinely believing this, and then running to Christ, humbling yourself before him. And in that place, Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not the words that save us. The words are the vehicle we use, right? We use words to communicate to Jesus our trust in him, our reliance on him, our confidence in him our faith in him as our only Lord and Savior. And when we do that, when we come to Jesus in that manner, knowing our, our desperate need of him, knowing we are utterly hopeless and helpless without him, and call out to him and cling to him, trusting and relying on him alone for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul, we be, that's how we become saved. That's how our sins are forgiven. Uh, that's how we get to heaven. 
only in this way, not by anything we do. And when we do this, we come into relationship with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. God the Father becomes our Heavenly Father. Jesus becomes our Lord and Savior and Master and God and King. The Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, becomes our guide, our counselor, our comforter. And now we have relationship with the triune God. Now, from that point forward, it, it takes tremendous effort on our part. Again, the effort has nothing to do with us being saved. We're saved entirely based on what Jesus Christ has done at the cross and our trusting and relying on him. But as Christians, after we become a Christian, it's, it's dependent on us to pursue relationship with Jesus, to pursue relationship with our Heavenly Father, to pursue relationship with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and that takes effort. We do that by spending time with him. Like any relationship, it's not going to grow unless you give your, your time and effort to that relationship. And it's the same with our relationship with Jesus and with our Heavenly Father and with the Holy Spirit. If you want to grow to know Jesus, you have to spend time with him. How do you do that? You do that by spending time in the scriptures, number one. The foundation of your growing relationship with Jesus will begin by increasingly spending time in the scriptures, meditating on the Holy Scriptures, on your Bible, reading your Bible, studying your Bible, meditating on your, on your Bible, on, your, on the scriptures in your Bible. Uh, above all, obeying the scriptures, doing what Jesus told you to do. And the more you do this, as well as spending time in prayer and thanksgiving, and conversation. You want to get to know Jesus better? We'll talk to him more, have conversation with him more. That's how any relationship grows as well, right? You want to grow to know your heavenly father and you spend time with him and you speak to him and you, you obviously you pray, but it's not just not a religious thing. You know, it's a relational thing. You want to, you want to, you want your prayer not only to be just going to your heavenly father for what he can give you, right? But you want to just, just to spend time with him and to get to know him. Remember, King David said, I sought your face. Most of us, the vast majority of us, seek his hand almost entirely and only, what he can give us. And, and he does want us to pray and ask him for the things that we need and desire, not only for ourselves, but for others. But seeking his face is even more important. Seeking, again, just to get to know him, right? Paul in Philippians 3 said the meaning of his life is that he wanted to know Christ. I believe it's Philippians 3.10. And the power of his resurrection, right? He just wanted to know the life of Christ and to have intimate relationship with Jesus. And as I said, growing in relationship with Jesus, just like with any other relationship, takes, takes effort. So let's pursue relationship with Jesus. There's nothing more important in our lives. There's nothing more profitable in our lives than growing relationship with God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Three separate beings. We have a triune God. It's not one being expressing himself in three ways. 
They're three individual beings, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we, we get to have relationship with all of them. So thank you, Lord Jesus. So today we're looking to finish up the, the birth of Jesus Christ in Matthew 1, verses 18 to 25. Last time we got, uh, we got through verse 19. I'm going to go ahead and read it again, and then we'll uh, do a small review, and then we will get rolling. So, Father, we thank you for your mercy and favor and goodness on our lives. We thank you for the Holy Scriptures. We thank you for our Bible, Father. Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and God and King. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you for willingly becoming a human man for us and living a perfect life for us and dying a perfect death for us. And we thank you that you are indeed alive and risen and we worship you today. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the scriptures. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. Matthew 1, 18 to 25. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, so last time we got through verses 18 and 19, just, you know, just, just powerful, overwhelming verses. Um, I mean, there's so much in there. It's just, uh, it's just incredible. We talked about how, what an incredible privilege you know, it was the greatest privilege ever, right? That you're going to be the earthly parents of the Savior of the world, right? That Mary is going to give birth to the Savior of the world, made pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And, you know, as it said in verse 19, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. So it was the Holy Spirit who made Mary pregnant. Um Obviously, it's not a sexual thing, right? Sometimes people get caught up in this idea when they think of a lady getting pregnant, which is understandable, but the Holy Spirit just willed it, meaning uh, all he did was think of it and Mary was pregnant. It's That's what God does, 
you know, and we see this throughout the scriptures when Jesus is moving, you know, when we were, you know, we had finished the first eight chapters of John in the, uh, in the, in the Royal official comes to Jesus and says, my son is sick. And Jesus rebukes him for having to see miracles. And the man continues to beg. And Jesus says, you may go, you know, your son will live. And his, the royal official's son was on the verge of death. Jesus doesn't know where that man lives. Or does he? He's never been to that man's house. He's never met his son, right? You know, millions of kids all over the world. <clears throat> and Jesus simply speaks and says, you may go, your son will live. And the boy was healed from that moment. How did he do it? Again, Jesus spoke it. He willed it. He desired it. And it happened. It's the same with this. It says she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit simply came, willed Mary to be pregnant, and the, the, uh, the conception of Jesus happened. Jesus is now inside Mary just by the will of the Holy Spirit, by a thought. That's the power of our triune God, right? And so, and now Joseph's going to be his stepfather. And so the Lord has chosen and given this incredible, just, you know, incomprehensible privilege to Mary and Joseph, but but it comes with just tremendous turmoil. It, uh, you know, it, it says that Joseph is going to divorce her in verse 9, and he's because he's a righteous man, he's not going to have to tell the whole world, you know, and we talked about how most of the time when we're done wrong, we just want to tell anyone that'll listen, and we spoke about how that's not the will of God. Um, we, last time we talked about how there's this prevailing thought, I tell my wife everything or my husband everything. That's not the will of God either. Of course, it's good to have, you know, to share your life with, with people and particularly with your spouse or husband, but you ought not share anything with anyone, including your spouse, husband, children, for the most part, unless it's a massive emergency that that's going to make them think poorly of another person, right? So if someone mistreats you or disrespects you and you go home and tell your husband or wife that, obviously they're automatically going to think worse of that person. Now you have done your wife or husband a disservice. You've led them into sin, as Paul said. Because now they are going to obviously look down on that person. And, and why do we do that? Because obviously we, you know, we, we've been done wrong and we want to point out the other person's fault. And, and it's this perverse way that it makes us feel better about ourselves. Joseph's not like that because he's a, a righteous man. So, you know, remember verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to, to divorce her quietly. One of the qualities of a righteous man or a righteous woman or someone who walks righteously before God is they don't have a desire to expose others, ever. So, you know, if this is a habit that you're walking in, 
And almost everyone does. It's a good point of repentance. We spoke about that a lot last time in, uh, in part one of this teaching. Um, we spoke about how Mary almost certainly told Joseph. You know, it doesn't say here she told him, but it's, you know, uh, an engagement we said last time in, in their day, in Mary and Joseph's day, was similar to a marriage in our day. In our, in our day and in our culture in the United States, if you're engaged and you break it off, you don't have to do anything. In this day, it would require a divorce and Joseph would have to give her a certificate of divorce. Um, you know, in this day, an, uh, an engagement was similar to a marriage in every way, except you had not come together as husband and wife uh, in intimacy. That was the final step is you would have the wedding day and then you would come together intimately. And that had not happened. Um, so, you know, and, and I believe we mentioned in the last time that how nice it would have been because undoubtedly Mary tells Joseph that the angel came to her and told her these things and she's pregnant and Joseph doesn't believe her almost certainly, you know, and it is a hard story to believe. It's this is the only time this has ever happened in every pregnancy, the billions and billions and billions of pregnancies. This is the only time this has happened. Okay. So it is hard to believe. We talked about how imagine if you're engaged and you're, you know, you're a man and you're just so in love and you come home and your fiance is pregnant and you guys have never been together, how, how devastating and hurt it would be. And then she's telling you that she was made pregnant by God, right? Um, now, Mary's telling the truth, but Joseph is hurt. He feels devastated. He feels betrayed. If he exposes her publicly, uh, Deuteronomy 22 says that she would be stoned and killed. And so he doesn't want that to happen. Joseph has a, you know, a heart that is as hurt as he is, as betrayed as he feels, you know, he's going to, you know, he's going to, he's going to walk off into the sunset quietly and undoubtedly his state of mind is to allow whatever man has made men, uh, Mary pregnant to go off and they can have their life together and have their baby. Um, and, you know, we talked about that, golly, why couldn't the angel Gabriel just appear to Mary and Joseph together? If the angel appears to them together instead of to Mary alone, it solves all of this. The tremendous heartache of Mary, the fear, Mary known if she's not believed she could be stoned and killed, um, the, the, the betrayal that Joseph feels. Why couldn't the angel just show up when they were together having dinner together or something and say, you know, hello, Mary and Joseph, you know, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. Mary, you're going to bear the Savior Joseph, I want you to give him the name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. Why does the Lord allow this, this tremendous trial? It seems altogether unnecessary to us, doesn't it? But he's, he's training them up. He's testing their character. And uh, oftentimes, the more useful we are to the Lord, the more difficulty he allows us to go through. And man, that's just a hard principle. So... We spoke about, again, the character of Joseph. Um, now, in verse 20, it says, but after he had considered this, and that's an important what? One, two, three, four, five, six words. But after he had considered this. 
most of the time, almost all of the time, when we are mistreated, when we're disrespected, when we're betrayed, when we're done wrong, we're not like Joseph. We often, we generally do not take time to consider it. We just fly off the emotional handle and want to tell anyone who will listen how we've been mistreated, how we've been disrespected. It's an embarrassing quality that, that almost all of us still possess. Uh, it's something that I've worked on in my life. I certainly haven't been perfect. Um, but, you know, how much, how often, again, when you're done wrong, do you have a need to tell other people who did you wrong and how they did it? Again, the, 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 the vast majority of the church has no character like this at all. It's something that we can see here. It's something we want to repent over, all of us. And it's something we want to work on. We want to be the type of people who think about what would be right. The Bible doesn't say to expose her to public disgrace. The Bible doesn't say that at all. We always want to justify ourselves and make ourselves look, look right in the eyes of others, and we find excuses to do it. If we're the type of people to consider things, you remember Jesus said, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, right? Very famous verse, almost famous verses in the Bible. Many people have heard it. They don't even know it's Jesus that said it. I believe it's Matthew 7, 12. But Jesus also said, in the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Think about that. In whatever we're doing, in the measure we use when we're judging others, when we're, if we're exposing others, um, that will be measured unto us. So you want to consider these things. But after he had considered this, Joseph considered that, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to divorce her. Um, now, again, he should have just stayed with her the whole time. But it is a hard thing to believe. But after he had considered this, after he took time to think about it, after he took time to think about what is the will of God in this matter, what does the word of God say in this matter? And he concludes that I'm going to lovingly step away. I'm not going to expose her. I don't want her to be publicly disgraced. I don't want her to, to be looked poorly on. Do you do that? Are you the type of man or woman that considers things before you do them? That thoughtfully considers what is the will of God? I'll, I'll say again, this is epidemic in the Christian world today that we don't consider things because we have a heightened sense of injustice. Again, I've said this before to, uh, to ladies, if you want to find a kind of man to marry, marry a man like Joseph, right? And then for men and women today, when you start hearing somebody talk to you about somebody else that has done something wrong, almost always an antenna should go up. It is an almost certain sign of immaturity. Almost a certain sign of immaturity immaturity. Um, 
when somebody has a need to point out the wrong for somebody else or what they have done wrong. And often we'll find excuses and ways to do it, right? C.S. Lewis wrote about how we can find ways to, to gossip and, you know, strain it through the conduit of, uh, of other things, right? But after he had considered this, verse 20, an angel of the Lord appeared to him once again. Why couldn't the angel of the Lord appear to him before this? Why couldn't the angel of the Lord appear to him, May, before this time? But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, you know, how nice it would have been if the angel of the Lord could have appeared to him. Wouldn't it have been nice if you look through your life that if certain circumstances happened before you had to go through all the problem, all the pain, all the difficulty, right? Mary has to go through this tremendous pain, undoubtedly, of her fiance not not uh, not believing her, not knowing if she's going to be exposed, not knowing if she's going to be killed. She hasn't done anything wrong. She has a baby living inside of her that God Himself put there. But after he considered this. So the, the Lord is consistently giving us an opportunity to mold our character, right? That's undoubtedly why he allows all these difficulties, is our Father is giving us an opportunity to be, to be transformed, to be molded. He's giving us an opportunity to consider, you know, what is his will? What does the scripture say in this matter? This is this is a this is this is a high high regard of Christian maturity, which few ever get to, and I'm not saying Christians. Very few pastors, very few elders, um, you know, just uh, very few ministers of any kind ever get to this level of maturity. This is a very high place where we we need to die to ourselves so much that we're unoffendable. You know, there's an old statement some old church fathers used to say, the more offendable a man is, the more immature he is. And it's really just that simple. The more offendable you are, the more immature you are. And you know you're offendable if you got to tell somebody or tell everybody what someone else did wrong. It really does go along those lines, right? I'm not talking about huge things. Right. I'm not talking about a man robbed a bank or somebody got killed or somebody murdered somebody. You know, well, of course, then we need to report certain things. I'm just talking about, you know, everyday things that, uh, you know, where we get disrespected, where we're not appreciated, where people treat us selfishly. I, nobody likes it. Right. Where we don't get what we want. Um, we got to grow up. Right. Now, obviously, Joseph is in a much harder situation, but picture yourself in this situation. But if it did happen to you and me, it wouldn't be by the Holy Spirit today. Would you have the character to really just uh, to not have to tell the whole world? Would you have the character to be able to say, you know what, I'm engaged, but I'm going to step away and let that, uh, let that man and what was my fiance? Go ahead and uh, go ahead and have a life together. 
and not and to and to to not expose your husband or wife. It, yeah, it, it's uh, it's a remarkable display of Christian maturity and love. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. If we will, you see this principle here, if we will wait on the Lord, if we will consider what is the most godly and loving and scriptural solution to our problem, which almost never justifies us, okay? Um, it's almost never, the, the scriptural solution to your issue is, is never to make you look good, okay? Um, Jesus never defended himself, okay? Jesus, Jesus never defended a position that he didn't hold, right? Pastor Rick, one of my early church spiritual fathers, Rick used to, used to tell me this, Jesus never defended a position he didn't hold. You know, Jesus never got angry when he was disrespected or persecuted. You never see Jesus say, you know what that person said about me? You know what they, know what they did to me? It's funny, you, know, you don't see him say that. The only time Jesus got angry is when others were being taken advantage of and manipulated, and that in the name of God, right? Now you'll see him flip up tables. If you'll be the type of person that considers the will of God, the ways of God, and what the word of God says, then it will be revealed to you. And... You know, you become a candidate to receive revelation from the Lord. Very, very few people in, in the church today ever get revelation from the Lord because we don't have this type of character. And you see this, this principle. That revelation, Stephen, flows along the lines of character. It just makes me want to have a lot better character. Because after he had considered this, and after the Lord saw Joseph's heart, then the angel is sent to him and the revelation is given to him. So do you want to get more revelation? It is going to come as you study the scriptures, but it's also going to come as you, as you obey the scriptures and you grow to be more mature and more like Christ. Help us, Lord Jesus. Joseph, son of David. Uh, the angel knows who Joseph is. He reminds him that he's the son of David because Jesus, the Messiah comes from the line of David. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. What she said is true. Again, it doesn't say here, Mary told Joseph, but again, we can just conclude it's almost certain that she would have told him, right? Uh, you know, you, you would not hide this from your fiance. Verse 21, she will give birth to a son. Some scholars say that, you know, there were a lot of miscarriages in those days, but 
as there are today, right? Now, we have things we can do today that they didn't, but this would not be a miscarriage. This would this would come to term, okay? When the Holy Spirit put, put uh, Jesus inside of Mary, she is going to give birth to, to Jesus. Verse 21, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The foundation of all the gospel is that we need a savior to save all of us from our sin. I like how it says he will save his people, every human being, Jewish and non-Jewish. If you're non-Jewish, you're a Gentile. You need Jesus to save you from your sins. Again, the essence and the foundation of the gospel is that all human beings are sinful, Romans 3.23. We all fall short of the standard of God. All of us deserve eternal hell, separated from the triune God. But if we receive the Savior, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of our sins, we will be forgiven. We will spend eternity in heaven with the triune God. And we will, in this life, have relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He will save his people from their sins. There is no sinless gospel, okay? We are beginning to have a church culture where we don't want to talk about sin anymore. We want to talk about how much God loves you, which is certainly true. The whole book of 1 John says God is love, and he does love us. But he loves us even though we are horrible, wretched, vile sinners. Every one of us. Myself, this moment, right now, I need a savior. I need a savior to save me from my sin. And if I'll run to the foot of the cross, as we said at the beginning of this recording, and throw myself humbly at the foot of the cross at Jesus' feet, humbly asking him to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin, believing that he is my only hope, then I will be saved. The reason Jesus came is to save us, all humanity, from our sins. We need a savior. Now, all the other things that Jesus did are, are, are amazing. You know, a product of our salvation is we have relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And that's, and that's amazing. And, you know, we get to walk this life in community and we do receive his blessings and, and all that's wonderful. But at the foundation of all things, I'm saying this over and over, we need a savior because we're sinful, every human being. He will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. 23, the virgin will be with child. And will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I believe that's Isaiah 7, 4. This is a remarkable statement. Because it said this was prophesied 
the word of God said this would happen, you know, uh, six, seven hundred years earlier. It was said, Isaiah stood up and said that the virgin will be with child and give birth to a son. And this is a very powerful verse. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Because what this is saying is this happened because the Bible said it would happen. And when the Bible says something will happen, it will certainly happen. It is the word of God. There are things in the book of Revelation that the Bible says and several other books that the Bible says will come to pass in the future. Just, just as this came to pass when it was prophesied earlier, so the things that have not yet come to pass will come to pass. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The word of God said it would happen, and it was certain that it would happen. It could not happen because the Bible said it. When the Bible says something will happen, it will happen. When, when you go through the scriptures and study the scriptures and see the blessings that come from obedience, it will happen. When you go through the scriptures and see the punishment that come from disobedience, it will happen. Now, the good news is we get to repent. So it's clear throughout the scriptures that, that when we repent, we can avoid, you know, all or most of the penalty that comes from disobedience. And certainly, again, when we come to Jesus Christ as our only Lord and Savior, we avoid the punishment of eternal hell that the Bible promises if we have not received Jesus Christ as our only Lord and Savior in truth. But when God gives his word, you can be certain that it will happen. That's why we, we run to the foot of the cross to receive Jesus, and then we labor to live our lives in obedience to Jesus because we believe the word of God. And sure enough, this took place because the word of God said it would happen, and it did happen. You notice it says that the virgin will be with child, give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. They call Jesus Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus Christ is God. Full-blown God Almighty. Eternal. Was never created, always existed. The incredible love story of your salvation and mine is that our God himself left heaven, took on a human flesh, entered into a world he created to save a sinful humanity he created that went bad and lived the perfect life in our place, died the perfect death in our place, was raised from the dead, and is indeed alive and risen. Our very God entered the world to die for us the death we should have died, to pay the penalty we should have paid, which is eternal hell and separation from the triune God. Jesus Christ is God. Again, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, God the Holy Spirit. All God, three individual beings. Wow. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, this is what you and I need to do for the rest of our lives, Melanie. For the rest of our lives, Jose, when we wake up, Jose, when Joseph woke up, what do you do when you wake up? 
What's the first thing you do when you woke up today? Because when Joseph woke up, Scott, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Do you wake up looking to obey the word of God? That's what Joseph did. He woke up and he obeyed the word of God. Woke up, Jesse, and obeyed the word of God. Oftentimes as Christians, we wake, wake up and disobey. And most of the time we just wake up and just go about our day and do whatever we want to do, right, Lauren? But we want to be like Joseph. Joseph woke up. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. Father, help us when we wake up each day to have a heart to know you and to do what you've told us to do. And he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Verse 25, but he had no union with her. He had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. What does that mean? But he had no union with her. He, 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 he didn't marry her. Remember, they were engaged, right, which was already a binding contract. He did get up and he married her. He obeyed the word of God. He married her immediately so as to, to take away any, any idea that this was, you know, that this wasn't right, to take away the bad image of it all. He immediately wasn't concerned about how it looked for him or about what people thought. He married her, took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her. That means he married her, but they, he did not have sexual intimacy with her. They did not have sexual intimacy. Once again, you see the character of this man. Is there, is there anything harder, you know, for two people who are trying to live pure unto the Lord, and then they finally get married, but, and one of the things they want to do is come together in, in intimacy, sexual intimacy, but Joseph doesn't do that. But he had no union with her. He he doesn't. He do, he will not have sex with her until she gave birth to a son. You know it says this in every Bible, right? Um, you know there are there are denominations that somehow maintain the perpetual virginity of Mary, meaning that she was a lifelong virgin. That's not what the scriptures teach. Okay, Mary's an incredibly godly woman. There's no question. She's an example to all of us. But it says, and you can open up your Bible wherever you are, whatever Bible you have. Every kind of Bible in Matthew 125 says the same thing. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, meaning clearly that after the birth of Jesus, then they did come together in sexual intimacy. And he gave him the name Jesus. Once again, the incredible character of Joseph to be, uh, again, just to, just to restrain himself. Obviously, he felt like to, to have sexual intimacy with Mary during, while she's pregnant with the Savior of the world would have been, would have been irreverent. Um, certainly, there is, there is no sin in husband and wife having sexual intimacy while the wife is pregnant. There is no sin biblically in that. Um, I, I think medically it's a good thing in certain ways. Um, and, and it's fine. Um, we don't see here that Joseph was told to do this. Joseph wasn't commanded by God, um, to, to not have sexual intimacy with Mary, you know, while she was pregnant with Jesus. 
And it's, you know, it's, there's, there's no, there's no reason to think that, that Jesus would have been any different if he did have sexual intimacy with Mary. But the fact is he did not. He restrained himself. And once again, we can just see this as a, uh, uh, just another check in the checkbox of wanting to be a man like Joseph, wanting to be a man that's that's honoring to the Lord because he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. The obvious inference is that after she gave birth to a son, Matthew is writing to us that, you know, they did not have sexual intimacy until after Jesus was born. Then they did have sexual intimacy. So thank you, Lord Jesus. And he gave him the name Jesus, just that name Jesus. You could just walk to right. You want to grow in your walk, just start saying the name Jesus more during your day. You want to be a better minister, and I do. Start saying the name Jesus more in your, in your sermons, in your teaching. If you say the word God more than you say the name Jesus, you're out of bounds. Jesus is God. You'll listen to sermons, they'll say God 50 times, never say Jesus till the one time at the end. You ought to say Jesus more than you say God. As a matter of fact, you ought to say Jesus two, twice as much, three times as much, okay? Jesus is God, but in Jesus, that's where the, the power is. The meaning of our life is in Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for the Holy Scriptures. We thank you, Lord that you sent your only son, Jesus, to be the savior of the world. Father, we just worship you and thank you. We just thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Our God willingly becoming a human man, living a perfect life for us, dying a perfect death for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are alive and risen today and we worship you, our only Lord and savior and master and king. Holy Spirit, seal the message to our hearts. Lead us and guide us now as we go forth, giving us eyes that see and ears that hear, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.